Really? Yeah, you look like if hmm. Daniel Day-Lewis had autism. You look like an extra from Gangs of New York. Uh, I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, we're live. Uh, welcome to Dead Meat, everybody. What up, folks? Our guest this week is the... Uh, I was thinking of an ad- adjective. I want to go with accomplished. Accomplished... Uh, yeah, what, prolific, what we, dude. That's, that's what the, I was going to go yeah, with. Yeah, the prolific, the accomplished, the handsome but what, what do we call you what's one word that sums up doogie horner polish <laughs> the polack <laughs> doogie horner polish lightning doogie horner <laughs> doogie how Jeez. are you buddy i'm good how you doing dude i great man i just i just told tim um i had forgotten just how much cool shit you've created i was on your website and I was like, all right, well, that ruled, that ruled, that ruled, that ruled. And then I just going through all this shit, it all came flooding back. And it's just like, well, fuck, I didn't even know about this. And then I checked that. I was like, all right, well, I got to fucking buy this now. And then perhaps my favorite thing that you've ever done was the fucking Home Alone and Die Hard mashup that you did for Christmas. Oh, Home Alone hard? God damn, Doogie. <laughs> yeah, I realized how similar those two movies are. It's about a lone Irishman. Uh, defending himself uh, against bad guys and on the surface that's what both of those movies are about but underneath it's really about that person getting back together with their family Hmm. and um, so (laughs) McAllister, McLean those are very similar names you know lots of lots of similarities have have you gotten much uh, fan mail from Lunatic from lunatics in regards to your portrayal of each of those movies yeah there's a lot of people i mean when you say like lunatics i mean i'm one of them i'm a huge diehard fan Mm -hmm. so people just write to me and they're like i love diehard and i go i know i do too (laughs) my wife says it's not a christmas movie thank you thank you for sticking up for me i'm like yeah you know no problem i you know it's more just like a support group of people that think that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and I agree, you know. Oh, for sure. I think that's that's been long settled, and I think you were. I mean, you're on the right side of history. Thank goodness. I mean, a lot. Of, I get people that say Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. I get what they're saying. Basically, they're just like, it's they're like they're, they're like it's an awful lot of shooting for a Christmas movie. That's what they're saying. They're just like, a lot of people die for it to be a Christmas movie. Is what they're saying. Yeah, which well, I get. Uh, yeah, but uh, don't forget, like, how many people are just arguing the point back and forth just so that they could have something to post on Reddit? You know what I mean? Yeah, That's exactly what it is. They don't actually, they, you know, they they, they they just want to have a voice, even if it's that inconsequential. But uh, that I mean, that's related. You you also made a uh, a diehard. Dude, you've made a lot of diehard content now that you mentioned. I made a lot of diehard stuff, and <laughs> and even my novel was kind of a diehard book because the main character in that is obsessed with Die Hard. And then I hate This might hurt a bit. Yeah, this might hurt a bit. Um, My young adult novel, which is about, it's basically just about my experience growing up in rural Pennsylvania and as a teenager. Um, So the main character is based on me. So the main character is obsessed with Die Hard. And then I hit all these different Die Hard references in the book too, like all the bad guys in the book, the bullies, all have German last names and there's a scene where we jump off the roof and uh, there's a couple of hidden diehard quotes and stuff. So even that move, even that book is a diehard book. 
Gro- Did you go to Nakatomi High School? <laughs> Growing up in in like uh, southeastern Pennsylvania, anywhere, uh, and and being Irish, all of your foes you categorize them by like distant ethnicity. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Like it's not it's not as obvious as like you know Hispanics, but it's always like yeah, you know, the kids from the Polish Catholic school they're a fucking problem. If I gotta walk past them on the way home, oh no, there he is, the Welshman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stay away from the Welsh kids. Um, we, you actually, well, okay. So you had a you had a release, um, show. I think it was at Good Good, which yeah, you know, R.I.P. But um, what well, which project <laughs> was that for? Was that for the Die Hard Christmas? That was for so yeah. I did another book called The Die Hard Christmas, which is like a kids' book version of Die Hard. It's kind of it's basically a, a Die Hard the night before Christmas right, right, show. Right. Um, and yeah, and I had, I did a release show for that and you had told me that your kids had never seen Die Hard. Well, I think most people's kids hadn't, but you had asked me if if I would, if I would be a part of your, uh, release show and you you wanted to do something where you you were talking to people about like the first time they saw Die Hard. And I, Mm -hmm. I, my, all of my childhood memories are lost to concussion fog, but I had just shown my kids Die Hard that week was the setup for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. So we brought them on stage and interviewed them about it. And I <laughs> I think it paid off when – I think – what was it? I think you asked Ben, my uh, middle child, what his favorite part of the movie was. And he was talking about, like, the guy where he hangs him by the chain and then whips him across the room. <laughs> yeah. And then everybody in the audience got really uncomfortable. They were, like, super not on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I we're dude. That's the, the Butterly Clan is is used to that kind of shit. Don't even fucking worry about it. Speaking of the, your son saying that was his favorite part, uh, my son Kirby, who's not even five yet, we saw we watched The Empire Strikes Back, mm. and um, I asked him how he liked it, and he said the only part I liked is when Luke got his hand chopped off. That's a good part. Dude, the only part he liked. Here, I have a theory. My kids don't like anything older than like 2010, and it's because of the haircuts. Like the second they see Luke Skywalker's haircut, oh. they're like, "I'm out. I don't give a shit about I'm this, out. dude." Can't believe it. Yeah, I, I had I a that... little bit of that with ET when I was a kid. When I was a little kid, I was like, "These haircuts are just like a hair too old for me to give a shit about." ET. <laughs> I think a lot of older movies have a different pace that kids find uh, jarring. Mm. Has your son seen uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? No. Oh, I, I think it's hard to go back. It's hard to go back to older movies for kids once you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, that's Guardians why I said no. Like, sorry, no. Yeah, that's why I said it like that. Because like, I don't want them to see movies like that because they'll be like, why would I watch this boring shit? You know? Well, you want them to, do you want them to see the boring shit first? Or are you just like, we don't participate in this new shit? You can watch new shit when he's old enough to to watch both, you know? But... But yeah, you get it's like letting a kid eat candy for breakfast, you know, um, or pancakes. As soon as you introduce pancakes as a breakfast option, they're never going to eat granola again. What the fuck that, are you talking? Wait, what? <laughs> are you withholding pancakes from your child? <laughs> no, we let him eat pancakes. But as soon as we started eating pancakes, he's like, "Why would you eat anything else?" Yeah, yeah that that is a much better analogy than I was about to come with because I was about to say that Guardians is like children's porn. Um, so i I like the pancakes better it's much more Uh palatable concept by the way that closet behind you like that is 
I would kill to have one of those in my bedroom. That's a yeah. good uh, pervert closet. That's a great uh, dude. If <laughs> man, you can watch all kinds of things from that closet. I got all sorts of stuff you would kill for in this room. Check this bad boy out. Wow. Boom. Battle armor, Skeletor. Do you ever put him in the closet and make him watch sex stuff? <laughs> Dude, you have one of my um, uh, you have one of my possibly my favorite joke ever written. You have, you are responsible for the most efficient joke I've ever heard in my entire life. Really? Yeah. I can't wait to hear what it is. It was from when you were on America's Got Talent. Do you remember the? I, I it might have been the first joke joke you told, or maybe the second one. And um, it was, um, you were talking to your friend, and your friend said, "What if you could be any animal? What would you be?" And you said, "An eagle." Uh, and your eagle friend said, joke. "Why? So you could fly?" And you said, "No, so I could finally have sex with eagles." <laughs> to this day, there's nothing you could do to improve that joke. I had to stop telling it because I got tired of uh, getting off stage and people being like, "Hey." Love that joke where you fuck a bird. <laughs> like that was it just overshadowed. It overshadowed the rest of my act and these jokes I was working on that were like challenging and trying to have a perspective and stuff. And people were just like, no, man, more Doogie. bird fucking material. Doogie, would it be fair to say that after shows, people would swoop in with those comments? <laughs> no, you don't have to put up with that. Doogie, you don't have to put up with that, man. You don't have to put up with that. Mike? I don't have to put up with that, Mike. Okay? Right, Stop playing around, fuck face. I'll allow uh, Doogie not liking it, but Doogie, <laughs> since you since you've uh, since you created that joke, have you considered modifying it to an animal that you'd like to fuck more now? Like a wildebeest? <laughs> They're good. Yeah. Or a squid? You don't have to fuck anything different. I'm just asking if, if you've come up with anything else that you would prefer to fuck now. <laughs> I know I hadn't thought about that. Uh, I'm a little embarrassed to admit I, I haven't. I had to stop telling the that. joke because I just wasn't into birds anymore. I'd moved yeah, on to yeah, my taste changed life. and I just that's a young man's game, fucking birds of prey. If I got off stage and someone was like, "Dude, I love the shit about fucking birds," I'd be like, "I am the most successful comedian in the world right now." <laughs> um, Tim, I was gonna say, well, go ahead, Mike. Would it be fair to call those people birds of a feather? Like, I'll end this podcast right now, dude. I'll stop the Zoom <laughs> meeting. I'll shut down the YouTube account. It's all over. You keep this shit he up. means it. Fuck, man. Tim is mad. I'm just, I'm just trying. Tim- you know what? You got to be firm. You got to be firm. I've let, I've let Mike slide too long, and he's completely out of control. I got to rein him in. Like a what puppy be- that's been rubbing his asshole in the room. I got to rein Tim, him no, in. Shut up. Yep. Shut up. Yep. Shut the fuck up. Tim's I gotta, back. I got to rein him in. Anyway, I, it's funny that you say that because you you also have uh, my favorite longer bit of all time, and I hope this isn't embarrassing for me to talk like this. Uh, I th- I love it. I <laughs> do you have more than one album, or was it just the one album that I was th- I was just there one. for? Okay, so I was there when you recorded it, and I was so happy that you did it. But your uh, your trucker poetry bit, and I'm oh, not gonna I'm not gonna too. explain that. But I want you to I want if you're hearing this or watching this, I want you to find Doogie's album. Um, hit him with the title, please. A delicate man. Dookie's album, A Delicate Man, and his his trucker poetry bit is. I remember hearing it at an open mic uh, when I was first starting, and I was like, it was like, uh, it was an emotional experience of how funny I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I love that bit. That's one of those bits that like 
some it's people so really stupid. love it's so and stupid, then other people so are like beautiful. why are you i remember i told that joke at the um what was the uh, top comedian funny what was that what's that reality show the like last com last comic standing I told that joke at the last comic standing audition and Andy Kindler, and then, you know, you tell your joke and then the judges say what they thought of it. And Andy was like, I, I just don't know why you would tell that joke. Like, why'd you pick that one? And I said, as I, I thought it was my funniest joke. <laughs> oh my God. Why'd you, but why'd you pick a not funny one? I just don't, I thought it, I thought it was funny. So, Andy. Uh, I don't. I can't. I, that just made me. I'm having a reaction that I don't like to hearing that. Uh, do you think it's? Do you think these experiences has have uh, like changed your view of comedy or maybe even just stand up? Like, yeah, uh, actually, America's Got Talent went well. America's Got Talent went very well for you. Yeah, I liked America's Got Talent, and also Andy Kindler uh, critiquing that joke. It didn't upset me or anything. Oh, okay. Good. First of all, Andy Kindler's whole. Sh uh, first of all, I love Andy Kindler's comedy. I think he's great. But his whole shtick is that he's not funny. Like he tells a not funny joke that takes one minute, and then he spends three minutes talking about how that joke he just told wasn't funny. And I think he's a he's a genius. He's great. I'm a big fan. But somebody saying they don't like a joke, that's fine. Like that's almost the nature of stand up comedy. Like you, you get almost as many people that say they don't like your jokes as that do like them, at least when you're working them out and stuff, you know? So, but this isn't you working. That wasn't you working it out. That was you. I wasn't working it out. Auditioning it for, at the, you know, at the time it was uh last comic standing was a extremely big deal. It would have been an extremely big deal to get. But I understood what he meant. That joke is what I was saying before with you, like the fact that you love that joke. That's one of those jokes that, the, the jokes that people come up to me in, after a set and say that they love and it's their favorite joke are the jokes that only work like 20% of the time. Um, and that joke was sort of like a, you know, more out there, more alternative, more unusual joke. And that's what people like about it. But then that's what makes it other people go like, it's not even a joke. I don't even. That, uh, doesn't that like, that makes me love it more. I mean, I, that's why I like it too. I sort of like jokes that are weird and that make people go. Hey, great. And I was just wow. about to say about you, Doogie. Like, one of the things that I admire you, admire most about you is that you do shit that I think most people would be afraid to even try. And you don't hear anything about it from you. It's just like all of a sudden, it's just like whether it ranges from a bit to a full on fucking book or something like that, where it's just like, oh, here it is. Whereas nobody else could think of something like that. And it's just very unique and very Doogie. Well, thank you. Oh, <laughs> you hate hearing this shit, don't you? You hate it. No, I, no, I love it. Everybody likes being complimented. No, you're, you having, you're having such an unpleasant reaction to this. Look at you. You're boiling. <laughs> I am furious. Are you not familiar with the pot? This is you knew this was what was going to happen. You know, you're going to you were walking into a fucking puppy's nest, bro. <laughs> I thought you guys were going to bust my balls. I thought you'd be like, look yeah. at this. So gay. No. Yeah, look dude, you. you wouldn't be here if we didn't think you weren't a fucking gay retard. Yeah, That's, thank you. That goes that. Wow. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Yeah, we really mean that. I wish I was a gay retard. Can you imagine how much better my career would be going? <laughs> Every reality show would be calling me. They're like, your jokes don't even need to be funny. You're just so brave. America's top gay retard. Starring. <laughs> Pete Padma Lakshmi telling, telling you you're not retarded enough. <laughs>
<laughs> we're all retarded. It's us. It's not you. <laughs> you see things clearly. I've learned so much from you. <laughs> it's like when people say, like, I learn more from my child than they learned from me. You're a bad parent. You're a fucking then. idiot. Yeah. <laughs> they, they should be learning from you. What did you learn? Oh, the, uh, Mike, you'll remember this. In in July, when we visited my sister in Oregon, we watched a, a four-hour YouTube documentary about this guy that murdered his wife and children. That's not funny. But what was funny was how much of a fucking moron <laughs> this guy was and how easily the cops were just like, you killed your wife. Like They showed the interrogation and all this dude's mistakes. And uh, his, it was this guy, Chris Watts, and Netflix just put out a documentary about it. And it's not a series. It's one fucking 80-minute, 90-minute thing. And boy, oh boy, it was, it felt like I read the book. I was like, oh man, I wonder what they're going to change for the Netflix documentary. And uh, so here, the, a quick recap of the story was um, this, uh, this lady's friend was supposed to be taking her to a doctor's appointment or something. Anyway, she doesn't answer her phone. So the friend shows up and uh, she starts calling the cops because the cars are in the driveway. No one's home. The husband's at work. And she's like, I'm supposed to be taking my friend to the doctor. And she's not answering my calls. And the cops show up. And uh, immediately, the husband is very suspicious. They they call him to come home from work. He pulls up. And he's like, doesn't seem to be worried at all that his wife, his pregnant wife and two children might be missing. He's like, yeah, I think they went out or something. I don't know. They're like, well, the cars are here and their shoes are here. He was like, they must have gotten picked up or something. I don't know. So he blows it. Like, as far as getting away with a murder goes, he's just stepping on his own dick everywhere he goes. It's so fucking funny. Uh, like, again, not sad. It's it's very sad that these people died. But um, the so the Netflix documentary came out and plot twist. The wife is very annoying. And I <laughs> suddenly you're on the side yeah, of shit. the murder a tiny bit. Well, so the, the, the start the Netflix documentary starts almost like a like a like a fiction series. Like the, the 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 it starts with her going. Uh, it's the wife. She's like, "Hi, my name's Shanann. Uh, I have two kids, and I'm living the best life I can imagine in Colorado with my husband." It's almost like she was making constant like Facebook live videos where like she knew she was going to be murdered. Like she was making her own <laughs> murder documentary intro videos her entire marriage. And it's like, ah, uh, today we're outside. Chris is being a little bit annoying. Sometimes he hides things from me. And I sense a darkness uh, out on the uh, edge of his personality. But, you know, we're happy and it's Christmas. And uh, it, it just, man, she was so murderable. And it, it made me feel guilty. But, uh, yeah, American murder. Um, if, if That's you guys, what it's called, American murder? Yeah, it's called American murder, the, the family next door. What was, like, super like American about the murder? I guess just how this dude started porking some younger girlfriend and and killed his wife and kids there's something very american about that but it's very bruce springsteen <laughs> <laughs> died in the usa <laughs> well he killed donna and Broyden last night and uh got in his chevy all right bruce chill out dude yeah oh the one of the highlights for me was uh, the lady that gives him the uh, polygraph test she has like the demeanor and uh, wardrobe of like a like a Kmart photo studio lady, so it's like it, 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 it seems like all the mechanisms are like psychological tricks and like technology that they use. It all seems like, excuse me, Kmart employees committed and solved the crime, and uh, mm. I, you know 
some dark chuckles if, if you need that kind of thing. I don't know a lot about him, but I do know that he became buddies with the uh, murderer and kidnapper uh, from Wisconsin a year and a half ago. The what? Remember the guy who broke He became obsessed with that 13 year old girl in Wisconsin. And he just saw her getting off a bus and was like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to kidnap this girl and kill her parents. So he broke into the girl's house, shot both parents and kidnapped her for like three months. And then she escaped. Did we know this guy? No, he wasn't. I mean, it was a big story for a couple months on CNN, but then she eventually just escaped. Uh, on her own. OK, it was like one of those national news. Yeah, it was in Barron, Wisconsin. But that guy got transferred to the same prison where Chris Watts is, and they hit it off, and now they're now they're best buddies in prison. No shit, they, they yeah. hit it off. <laughs> Birds of a feather, man. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing that I was thinking about today is that how much I would like to be in prison with you, Tim. Aw, why? Well, um, one, I think we could do squats with each other on our shoulders. That'd be cool. it, there wouldn't be any of that that weirdness where having to ask a guy if he'd be willing to sit on your shoulders. I think it would just be be implied. Yeah. Um, I would have no reservations with making toilet wine with you. Oh, um, I would stay sober in prison. So you would have to be my taste tester. <laughs> um, and plus, I think we could start up our own gang. Yeah. What would we call it? Uh, maybe the no good Knicks or the stinkers. I think stinkers is better. Do you want to be a stinker, Doogie? Scarier. No, I don't want to be a stinker. <laughs> All right. Well, Tim, we made our first enemy. <laughs> now it's your responsibility to stab him. <laughs> you got to shiv I, me. I, I'm on it, dude. I, <laughs> I speaking of prison and killing your wife. Remember that guy I knew? This is this. Yeah, this yeah. is all related. This is all I've been thinking about uh, the past two days. Remember that guy? What do you mean? Yeah, I know the the Wawa guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, how many how many white I, I do, do you think that I think you know? Do you remember that guy I knew? Yeah, uh, I, I knew. Yeah, it. okay. So the, the, this guy I knew. Dude, we're stinkers. We, we can finish each other's sentences. <laughs> this uh, dude, you, did you hear about the story? Like a year and a half ago, a guy walked into Wawa with an AR-15 and he shot his ex-wife. Another Springsteen song. It was in Radnor. No. Oh. Yeah, he walked in, walked into Wawa with a fucking long gun and just started shooting his. I think he exploded her head, huh. and uh, it was during a custody exchange. He showed up without the kid and shot her. And huh. uh, yeah, but I went to high school with the guy, and I, at first, so I've got new feelings on this. This is a, this is an update on this dude murdering. Um, You're against it now. Yeah, I, you know what? At first, I was like, let's see, you know. Let me see her Facebook live videos before I make any kind of determination. But he, he, um, there was like a custody dispute. There was, you know, me, I, I don't want to actually, I'm not going to victim blame here. You know what I mean? But he, uh, he, I, I always, my first thought was like, I can't imagine the dude. I spent a lot of time with him. I could, I couldn't imagine this dude ever like, hurting someone and then i remembered like a fight he'd been in and i was like all right well that fight was kind of violent and then i remembered uh i didn't remember i went back today to find out when his court case is because like there's no news about it there's no like all the i guess all the newspapers uh or local news stopped following it but um his trial is going to start this month it's like october 19th or 20th or something like that you gonna go i was thinking about it is that crazy that's ghoulish no no i get it 
dude, I had a couple classmates that murdered a guy and I went to the courthouse to get like you can you, if you just ask, like they'll let you like read the case file. And because I just read like the news articles about it, I was like, there's got to be more to the story. But it turns out it was even worse than the news had reported. It was just them just doing super fucked up shit and not just like an accident or something like that. Wait, you knew people like that? Yeah. Uh, two of the kids that I went to grade school with. They went and they beat a guy to death with bats. And um, he survived for a little while, but then he ended up succumbing to his injuries. Whoa. But these two kids, like the one kid I was really surprised with, but the other kid, he had actually pulled a nun's habit off in like fucking sixth grade. And that's like that's murderer behavior. No, that's cool. <laughs> that could go either way. That could be cool or that could be murderer. Well, I'd even well, I'll tell you what, let's settle in the middle and call it a bad habit. <laughs> no, Mike, we'll not do that. <laughs> OK. I'll do it. I'll do that. I'll call it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But Doogie, how about you? Do you know any child murderers? <laughs> I, uh, I know none. Um, I know some people that seem like murderers, but I don't think they've ever actually killed anybody. <laughs> want to name <laughs> my babysitter? <laughs> and here are their names and addresses. My mom, my dad, <laughs> me. <laughs> No, I don't know any killers. I don't even know where most of the people I used to kill go to school with. I haven't kept up with people. There was one bully that I was sort of wondering about, a guy that used to bully me a lot. And I was like, I wonder, I wonder what he's up to. And I Googled him and it was so great. His, I found his Facebook page and it was like perfect. All his posts were riddled with misspellings. And they were posts like, um, just got fired from my construction job for doing something fucked up. And now I got to take anger management classes. Fuck you. Yeah, and then another one good. was like, uh, oh, my neighbor doesn't like me picking off squirrels with my 22. <laughs> well, I just glued his gap, gas cap on. Can't fuck with country. <laughs> you know, and like... And he, he's like, I can't leave my house because I'm under house arrest. Well, luckily, I can still watch the high school football games from my window. Touchdown. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like I, was just, I was just like, oh, man, I love watching. I love when those people die. I love going and figuring out like no one wants to break the code and just say how they died. I love figuring it out just based on like clicking on people's profiles that commented like RIP miss you. Are you know so sorry, John? John, like that guy, like following people, tracing it back until I eventually find some sort of like kernel of truth about how they just overdose. It's always an overdose. Um, mm -hmm. that was another thing I thought about after uh, I watched the Chris Watts documentary. I was like, oh man, imagine like we all everyone knows someone like that on Facebook where they're always like in some new pyramid scheme and they're always like, we're so blessed. And it's just like you know, a picture of their family in white linen outfits on the fucking beach. <laughs> Imagine if she got murdered. Like the the one person that comes to mind when I describe that, if they got murdered, you'd have to be like, there would be a split second where you're like, and then you'd be like, ah oh, man, it's sad. <laughs> People love murderers. Everybody loves murderers until they get murdered. Do you ever notice that? Like we love, <laughs> we think it's so interesting, and then you get murdered, and you're like, oh now it's not cool. I was, it was cool, <laughs> but now I'm not interested. <laughs> To that point, one of the, one of the one of the things that I thought of that I think would be like a cool experience is like a uh, a mini murder vacation, where you go and you stay at like a campground or something, and there's a chance that you're going to be 
murdered that weekend. There's a murderer that's going to be somewhere on the property, and he's going to get some people, and you might be one of them. Like paintball murder or like murdered for real? Uh, it would be scary enough to make people not want to do it again. <laughs> I would call it a near-death experience. <laughs> I wouldn't call it that. That's not what I would say. <laughs> Fuck. I like when you put murdered in air quotes. You're like, yes, you might get murdered. but <laughs> All this paperwork is legally binding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he will use an axe. <laughs> when are we going to be allowed to do shit again? Nah, it doesn't matter. I don't want to have a conversation about that. I just, dude, I'm I'm doing everything I want to do, man. What else do you want to do? That's a good point. Go to the movies. I want to go to the movies. Go to the movies. I'm not going go to out. the fucking movies. What are you crazy, dude? I already went. First of all, they're all shutting down. It's over. They were driving. Driving's a good. We idea, went but to then... the uh, drive-in last weekend. The Mahoning Drive-in had a triple feature of Italian horror movies. Ooh. It was great. Although it what, got did they so not f- stir the gravy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody the- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I tried. What, I was what like, they did <laughs> the Italian horror movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the pinnacle of Italian horror is calling it sauce and not gravy. <laughs> yeah. They mixed onions and so- garlic. Sauceperia. <laughs> that was I. I think Salisbury was actually good, but uh, that was really good. Actually, I am a fucking dickhead. <laughs> uh, yeah, go to the drive-in, man. It's great. The I, only I, bad thing I, was I will go to the drive-in, but there's foggy. Some, there's something very cool about feeling like a murderer going to the movies by yourself, and I miss that. Tim, Tim, would another Italian horror movie be The Hills Have Paisans? No, Mike. I don't think it would be an Italian horror movie. It might be. <laughs> Diggy, stop. <laughs> Zero tolerance policy from Mike playing around. It was great. They had previews before the movie. They showed previews for other Italian horror films. And uh, one of them was called The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. And they're like, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. The film that out-psychoed Psycho. I bet it didn't. (laughs) The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Doesn't sound scary. Also, the guy that made Psycho made the birds, didn't he? I think you just you're you're swinging for the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can't I, I can't do drive-ins, by the way. I don't know what it is. I don't like drive-ins. What about diners or dives? <laughs> I <laughs> big fan, actually. Turns out. Yeah. I, you don't like drive-ins, you just like murderers. I just I want to feel like a murderer. So actually if I could go to a drive-in and just and just drag an axe behind me and walk between cars, that'd be pretty fun. Hey, do you guys want to know who my favorite Italian horror director is? Nope. Yep. Yeah. Fettuccine Alfredo Hitchcock. <laughs> I'm surprised you weren't like Steven Spielberg meatballs. <laughs> Pizza Scorsese. <laughs> Francis Ford Fettuccine. Steven Spielberg meatballs. <laughs> Spaghetti Coppola. <laughs> Mike, do you know what I did all day? What did you do, Tim? I fucking climbed 25 feet up a tree and then used a 12-foot pole saw to do some fucking landscaping on my own so that I could move out of the heroin capital of the world. And you're going to so. hit me with, what was it, Fettuccine Alfredo Hitchcock? Yes. That's what you're going to do to me. Both of my shoulders completely shot, dude. 
a, a workload that most people couldn't even fathom. And then I gotta I gotta put up with this. You gonna do this to me on my own podcast? No, absolutely <laughs> not. It ends here, dude. That's the end. Steven Spielberg meatballs. <laughs> and would it be fair to say that when you were doing that landscaping, you were going out on the limb? What is what is up with you today, dude? <laughs> You've been like this since like ten a.m. He's just having fun. It's you got you got to quit. Go. You got to quit those. So the taurine, the guarana. I got three more in the bag, buddy. Dude, it's a problem. You can drink five Red Bulls. No, I asked for two, but uh, normally I get the big ones. But they didn't have the big ones, so uh, my wife was kind enough to just get me a bunch, so I don't ask her a thousand times this week. I bet you, you. I bet you just microdosing crack would be healthier, <laughs> and it would you wouldn't be gaining weight <laughs> from drinking seventeen ounces of Red Bull at a time. They're sugar free. <laughs> sugar free doesn't mean that they're not. There's something else in there that makes you fat. There's my 10 doctor calories told per me, My doctor told me that sugar-free is actually worse. How so? He's, he said he's like, we kind of don't know what those chemicals do. <laughs> he said, you'd be better off just having one real soda well, that, rather I, than drinking lots of sugar-free. I think it's rumored that they make you murder your wife in Wawa. Yep. <laughs> so I'm going to watch out for that. Excuse me. Yeah, dude, those Red Bulls are fucking you up, man. Excuse me. It's driving a wedge between us. Your t- your taurine infused playing too much. It's it's rubbing me the wrong way. Oh. Read it and weep, buddy. Read what the can of Red Bull. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, hold it up. Yeah, sugar free, baby. <laughs> Let me read the ingredients. Dude, sugar free is not. It, it's. I don't know, man. Well. It's my body, and I'm going to put into it whatever I want to put into it. You climb trees if you want to, man, but man, you want to me- you want to mess with the bull. Be prepared to get these horns. It was, it was so cool. It was so cool being at the – so we're in the middle of the move already. This will probably be the last dad meet I ever record in this house. Yeah, where are you going? The Northeast. Um, Like Grant Academy. But um, they uh, – as the sun started to go down – I could hear like a so it's near like the northeast airport. I could hear like a a plane in the distance, just like I was like, oh man, that's is that how bad the sound gets around here? That's not so bad. And then I heard a bunch of crickets, and I was like, ready to cry in front of my kids. I was like, I can't believe this is what I'm hearing right now. Instead of just like, dude, I I posted an Instagram story last night. I was watching television with my wife in the living room, and you. The, with the TV up loud, you can't hear anything over the passing, the, the music coming from cars driving past my house. It's so fucking bad. Especially Where are you at right now? I'm in, uh, you know, Harrogate. It's it's the part of Kensington oh, okay. that uh, the rich people haven't moved to yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we live in, we used to live in Fishtown. I don't know too much about Kensington. Yeah, it's. You now know, you're going. We lost you there. What'd you say? Going to the northeast now? Yeah, going to the northeast now you're going for a little bit. Yeah, we're going to for, we're going to spend a little bit of time in the northeast while we look for a, a house outside the city. But motherfucker, the 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 noise is killing us. Tim, how long did that music last for last night? Uh, it, it was not. It doesn't end, dude. That's the thing. Is like, can you hear that dirt bike now? <laughs> you hear it in passing, right? But then what you'll get is like 
we're close enough to where people do two things. Number one, there's <clears throat> street races nearby. And there's also like they fill up the uh, Chick-fil-A parking lot or like mm-hmm. the, the fucking wing stop parking lot. And they just they post up with their fucked up stanced civics. And they, they just they pour in there like 200 cars just pulled up for like an impromptu car show any night of the week. So when they leave that at three in the morning, two in the morning, it's 500 cars driving past my house with different songs playing on like competitive, competitively loud systems. Um, I might, ugh. has anybody bought your house yet? Cause I might take it. Cause the way you're <laughs> describing your neighborhood actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. The heroin, the, <laughs> the, the nearby car shows, the Chick-fil-A. I mean, you said they got street races. It sounds like you live in like white trash Disney world. Yeah. Well, Doogie, there's one other <laughs> asset that Tim has seen, but I was not lucky enough to see. <laughs> yeah. But the fattest child in Philadelphia, <laughs> we passed about two months ago, and Tim was lucky enough to see him, but I didn't. So you would have the fattest kid in Philly near you. I can't, right. I can't remember it's ever cool. seeing a fatter person than this kid. Holy shit! Just standing outside on Kensington Ave under the fucking L, barefoot, just fat as fuck. Uh, waiting waiting for more fucking soda i guess i don't know that kid probably uh, had a red bull problem t- tim th- this is uh th- this is something that still haunts me to this day so i'm gonna close my eyes can you pretend i'm one of the jurors from a time to kill and that you're matthew mcconaughey and please describe this fat boy in detail no i've never seen a time to kill <laughs> i want him tim tell me about this fat boy <laughs> Yeah, I, I, dude, Mike, I got to tell you, man, I wish I'd give anything to be able to pick up this bit and run with it for you. Mm-hmm. But we're up against a wall and that wall is me not knowing it at all. Doogie, feel free to take over, dude. Doogie, how fat was this boy? I can't even. I was trying to think of a Matthew McConaughey, if I could even do a Matthew McConaughey impersonation. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> I'm Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I drive a Lincoln. (laughs) In this case, would time be a fat circle? (laughs) It's a circle like a donut. God damn it, dude. I like that the kid was barefoot too, like the blob in the comic books. Yeah. He's always barefoot. Like he can't find shoes that will support his weight or something. Yeah. Luckily, somehow being barefoot makes you seem even fatter. Yeah. The only thing to make in your size is basketball shorts when you're that fat. It's crazy. Dude, what's the fattest you've ever been? When I got married, that was the fattest I ever was. And I was like 180. What? 185 maybe, 180. And what did it for you? What, what, what made you gain weight? I'm not sure. I used to drink a lot of orange juice. I would... <laughs> <laughs> I eat a lot of apples and uh, sunflower seeds. I eat so many sunflower seeds. <laughs> Too You're much fat on orange juice. <laughs> and I was eating the red leaf lettuce instead of the green leaf lettuce, <laughs> which is, you know, I mean, how many extra? Um, a lot of cauliflower. Uh, no, um, I was drinking a lot of orange juice. I don't know. And it's got a lot of sugar. And for lunch, I would eat two slices of pizza for lunch. What? <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys. I, you're laughing like you eat more than two slices of pizza for lunch. Dude, you should I have type 3 diabetes by now. <laughs> you fat fuck. 
<laughs> no, I think it's funny that you were eating two slices of pizza for lunch. You're like, this orange juice situation's getting out of control. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was drinking a big thing orange juice. I'd go through one every two days. And it was a when I stopped drinking orange juice, that made a big difference. And I went down from two slices of pizza to one. Oh. That made a big difference. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I lost a lot of weight. Dude, that sounds like an Italian horror movie, just having your pizza ration cut down that severely. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I don't know. What's the fattest you guys have been? I feel like I've never seen oh. you fat. What? Oh, geez, man. What? I think have the I? fattest I was, I think I was pretty close to 240, maybe 250. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I was, I was a big boy when we met. I remember I didn't think I was that fat because I was I was definitely a fat child. I was I was as fat as the kid that we were making fun of. I was definitely a fat child, but I didn't think I was fat as an adult until uh, Steve Miller Miller described me as uh, very funny, maybe forty pounds overweight. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? Should I lose I love, forty pounds? <laughs> we had so many roasts in the Philadelphia comedy scene, and I love how every time you're in a roast, you like learn something about yourself, like. <laughs> You didn't know, you know, like I remember one time Brian Craig called me, he goes, he opened with, he goes, Doogie Horner, king of the mooches. I was like, what the, f- I'm a mooch? What? Whoa. And then. That's, that's a friend- such a backhanded, not backhanded, but that's such like a king of the mooches is something I can't even imagine hearing about someone. That would fuck me up. I think I borrowed a couple of, that was back when I wore a, vintage cardigans a lot and he had a really good vintage cardigan collection at uh, the izods and i think he had given me a couple and maybe that was it um uh, mooching cardigans and that was the most devastating roast i don't know <laughs> on an ironic note i actually have one of brian craig's suits in my closet that i never returned to him i don't know i, I think we had we were, we were changing in the same space and I accidentally took his suit about eight years ago and i never gave it back he's a big suit guy too that's fucked up yeah, he can pull him off. He's one of those guys that wears like a pocket square, and you're like, oh, God damn, it's a nice pocket square. Yeah. Yeah, he's got good style. He knows what he's doing. A friend of mine uh, in New York, a New York comedian, had horrible breath, always. And he had this sort of bad breath that was like strange. Like it seemed like medical. It wasn't like, oh, you have bad breath. It was like, there's something wrong with your mouth. And aside from that, he was a great guy, and everybody liked him and stuff. And at a roast, somebody made fun of his breath. Um, and after the roast, he, he came up to the person and he was like, hey, does my breath really stink? And they were like, yeah. And he went to the doctor and they fixed it. Aww. And it like changed his life. Getting made fun of for having bad breath changed his life because no, he just he didn't know. Nobody had told him. Aww. What would you compare the smell to? It was bad. It was like, it seemed like it was like a medical, it didn't seem like he had just eaten stinky food or whatever. Like it's uh, maybe I, like a smelled like a dead tooth or something. Uh, okay. I had a, uh, I had a, a guy that I worked with and his breath smelled like, I remember he was like an older fella and he wore those like uh, older fella colognes where you feel like you're around your grandparents. Like you almost feel like nice when you smell that. You know what I mean? Odefella. Something like that. Yeah. And he um his breath smelled like cat shit. His breath smelled like cat shit to the to the point where I was just like, dude, are you eating cat shit in the work van? What is happening? 
that's like that Todd Glass joke. He has a joke about that. He says, I sat down on an airplane and the lady in the seat next to me goes, hey, does my breast smell like tacos? <gasps> and she blew in his face and he says, I don't know. Do you put cat shit on your tacos? <laughs> no, seriously. No, do you? Do you put cat shit on your I don't know. I'm just asking. Because if you do, then yes. If you don't, then no. Tim, was this for uh, RK? No, it was not RK. Okay. But, oh, RK. Oh, man. Have I talked about RK anywhere else? No, I think that was I only in private so. group chats. Uh, I can't divulge anything about that guy. But I work I, the, the unfrosted Pop-Tarts guy at work. Okay, so dude, yeah, I worked with a dude who every day he would eat uh, a pair of unfrosted Pop-Tarts at his desk. How do you get them? I didn't know you could get them. Are those like <laughs> health Pop-Tarts? The health? No, they... <laughs> Like diet pop tarts. He was scraping the icing. No, he uh, his, his I think he lived with his mom. He was like almost forty years old, and mm-hmm. I looked him up on Facebook, and he he was always talking about how he when when he lived at college, <coughs> when he lived in the dorms, all of like his like college because he had no friends in real life. He was like, how, how the fuck, Mike? How, what's the quickest way for me to sum up RK? He was like um a complete dullard. Uh, just a, a middle-aged retard who had no idea. Like none of his clothes fit. The road he was. Yeah, like like he he was forty years old, and lived with his mom, and I think she still bought all his clothes for him. Like they still had all that like I don't know what size you are like fit to them. So it made him look like a little kid wearing adult clothes every day. <laughs> all his sleeves were a little too long. You could yeah, see his fingertips exactly. Out. And he. Everything he did was weird. All of his social interactions were bad, and he was always like being mean to people. And maybe he didn't know, or maybe he just like was so anxious that he was just constantly like flipping out. But he was just like screaming at people every day, and he was like the lowest level IT support dude. So like everyone that was like, "My mouse isn't working," he'd be like, "Oh my god, nothing worked!" Like he would freak out over everything <laughs> that he was asked to do. And uh, he, yeah, the, the unfrosted pop tarts thing was a big big fucking red flag uh also he uh had a capri sun with his lunch every day <laughs> and nice. he um the first thing he would do every morning is he would get in he would pour a bowl of oatmeal and then he would take it to the public bathroom with him and leave it on the floor outside the bathroom while he took his you know morning duties or whatever pretty wow. fucking weird anyway the, the, that just uh, mike mentioning rk reminded me that the the dude the chris watts from the murder documentary was he, Everything about this dude was RK. It was like if RK started doing fucking push-ups. So, but but we'll so I'm still it. stuck. You can get unfrosted pop tarts. You can buy them. Yeah, dude. I don't know. You just, have, you just have to prove that you're a serial killer. I I I don't know what the point of them is. I don't know why they're allowed to sell them. I think it's just for like the when you're one of those grandparents and you don't want your grandkids to ever visit, you just stock your shelves with unfrosted pop tarts so that the kids are just yeah. like i don't want to go there don't leave me there we've got unfrosted pop tarts we've got diet mr pibs we've got everything like you sugar-free like sugar-free red bull <laughs> we've got lime ice cream <laughs> you want some walnut butter whole grain bread walnut butter that is serial killer behavior unfrosted pop tarts have you ever uh, caught up on what he's up to no, he went to work for like a major pharmaceutical <clears throat> company, so I can only imagine someone's gonna fucking die. <laughs> Doogie, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, um, you've not only put out so much, you know, great content, just all different forms of shit, but so much, so much, so much good shit. But I wondered, like, 
do you go in with a specific, you know, go into a specific project saying like, okay, this is what this is going to become, or do you just start writing something and then it just ends up what it ends up? Uh, I just kind of start. Yeah. I usually just start making something like the first book I did was a book of charts. Mm-hmm. Everything started, explained through flow charts. Everything explained through flow charts. Oh, fucking rules. Incredible. And I started that because I started, I wrote that right when I started doing comedy, I noticed that most people, their jokes were all about sort of similar subjects. <clears throat> and so the first chart I made was a comedy chart of all the different subjects people talk about, about jokes. Um, so yeah, most of the stuff I do, I just do because it's something I'm interested in. And so I start working on it. And um, my novel was similar. It was just, I mean, like most people, my first novel is like thinly veiled autobiography. Mm-hmm. And it was just a time in my life that I wanted to revisit and think about and that I was interested in. And uh, so that's why I started writing that. And so yeah, I did most stuff I do just because you're in, you know, you want to do it. Now, did anybody that you grew up with get that that was semi-autobiographical? Yeah, I mean, the two two of the guys that are in it are like really closely based on two of my best friends from that time. And so I had to ask, I asked them, I was like, hey, is it okay? Do you mind? And um, so I like, I ran it by them. And then there was a lot of times I'll use people's names, just like friends of mine. Like I'll put, I use Chip Chantry's name a lot and stuff. I don't know why. And usually I'll just use someone's last name or first name, but there was somebody I forgot. I just put their full name in the book and they weren't a particularly close friend of mine. And they called me up and they're like, why am I in your book? <laughs> and I said, oh, sorry. Coincidence weird. I don't know. <laughs> Is it a very uncommon name? Yeah, it's a super specific uncommon name. He was, he was just like a small character. Um but there was nobody that like, like contacted me out of the blue and was like, Hey, is this me? Um, now, I mean, is, the biggest. Is, I was going to say, oh. is house arrest bully guy in your book at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. He's in it. The biggest problem I had was, um, or the thing I was most worried about was my mom and dad. Cause they're in the book and the book is like mostly autobiographical, but I don't call it a memoir. It's essentially, it is a novel, you know, it is, there's a lot of true stuff, but a lot of fake stuff. And so, and the main character is a teenager. And when you're a teenager, you hate your parents. So the kid doesn't like his parents. And a lot of the book is about him kind of coming to his relationship with his parents and coming to terms with those difficulties. And so I was a little worried about them reading it. And my mom read it and she was okay with it. But my dad read it and he was really mad. Oh, actually, no, wait, he didn't even read it, but he knew what it was about. And it was a, it was about my sister's cancer. And he got really mad at me. And he said, I don't want people knowing our business and putting our stuff out there. And, I, and he was really mad at me. And I said, well, will you just read it? <clears throat> and he said, no, I won't read it. And so I said, well, can I read it to you over the phone? And he's like, he said, fine. And so I read it to him over the phone. And luckily the story begins with me and him hanging out. My dad used to go flying a lot. And the first scene is me and him hanging out in the hangar together and spending time together. And one reason I wanted to write that book is because I remember all the nice times I did have with my dad when I was a teenager, even though I hated my parents when I was a teenager. And, um, 
it was nice to kind of relive those moments and stuff. And so I read that scene to him. And then he said, okay, all right, you can do the book. And then he said, I got this idea for a book. Actually, maybe you could write this one. So there's an American and a Japanese pilot. <laughs> They've crash landed on the same island in World War II. Okay, hear me. <laughs> and... Did he really pitch, uh, what was it called, yeah. Hell in the Pacific or whatever? Yeah, I'm like, that's Hell in the Pacific, Dad. <laughs> that's already a movie in every... Toshiro Mifune. It also might be one of the new Kong movies. <laughs> it was funny. He did a complete 180. He's like, here's the next book you're going to write. I got a great idea. I got a title and everything. Okay. Now, look, before you say it's derivative, the there's a giant gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was most concerned about my parents reading it. And, uh, oh, I know my dad has listened to this podcast. I don't know. What do you what do you was he like that mike rainey's a real funny guy and you're like oh i get a lot of that yeah oh and, dude that, yeah actually almost verbatim i get a lot of like that mike that mike rainey wow That's boy i wish he was my son yeah. <laughs> i only had daughters <laughs> no i my, my my dad is uh I, I don't know i've been the same level of weirdo to him since i was very small so <laughs> not, it's like nothing surprises him and he's even learned to like support how fucking weird i am or how weird he that's, thinks I am. Uh, yeah. You um, that's when you say you hate your you hated your parents when you were young, do you mean in like the kind of like the typical way that you do at that period in in a kid's life? Like, yeah. it's not hate, but it's yeah. like you have like a sudden awareness <clears throat> of like these are just people, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that was it. I just hated them the way all teenagers. I didn't have any gotcha. reason to hate them, but also at that time, I think the that my sister's death had somehow kind of driven a bit of a wedge between us or made things a little bit weirder too. And that was something I wanted to explore in the book also. Um, and I hope, I mean, <clears throat> this sounds like, I don't know, arrogant or whatever, but I was, I felt like I had, I'd finally now at the age I am now finally kind of understand how I felt when I was a teenager and also how I felt after my sister died and how my family was moving past that. And I kind of wanted to put all that into a book so that any teenagers that are going through similar things now could learn what I learned more quickly, right? Of in by reading one book rather than spending years and years trying to, you know, figure it out. I, so that I, that was kind of why I wrote it. I, I catch I catch my yeah. I I constantly catch myself trying to like shortcut knowledge to my kids. Like, hey, listen, let me save you a bunch of heartache, okay? This is how the world actually works, and they don't the listen point. to a word of it. They hate it. Then that's the last thing <laughs> any kid, any age wants to hear. They want to get fucked up and and chewed up by the world so that they can learn the lesson, or maybe they're just stupid. But no kid wants that. No kid wants a shortcut. It's crazy. I feel like yeah. when I was a kid, I was like, if someone were to just plainly explain it to me, I bet people were screaming answers at me when I was a kid, and I was just like, whatever, dude, you're old and gay. <laughs> now I'm getting that. Now I'm getting that from a twelve year old. Like she when when she's like um she'll start saying like I saw something online and she'll start to like describing something she saw and I'll be like I'll go into a tirade about how I'm like dude the only reason you're even seeing this information is because advertisers want access to your brain and she's just like yeah whatever dude you're old and like it sucks <laughs> advertisers they don't exist dad yeah <laughs> well they call them influencers it's the same thing they they hate it there's it's crazy is the, is there anything that you would add to what you to what you got across in the book about grief 
Anything that I would add that's not in the book? Yeah. No, but I mean, the upshot of the book was sort of just that um, you just have to be open to it and try to move forward. And I think sometimes you think if you move past it, if you stop being sad that you're disrespecting that person, you know what I mean? Like somebody dies and you feel like, well, I have to be sad because if I'm happy, that's disrespectful to them. Um, and I don't, and that's not, that's not true. Like you're allowed, obviously you will be sad for a while, but you're allowed to be happy again. And I think it goes deeper than that though. I think one of the reasons we hold on to our sadness is because that sadness is a part of that person. You know, it's a, it's a powerful feeling and you want to get that powerful feeling when you think about them. And so you don't want to let that go. Um, but at a certain point, you just got to move on. I mean, it, uh, that's nothing new, you know, I think. No, I, I just think that it's that. like, it's one of those obvious things that no one ever points out where it's like uh, when you're grieving someone, you feel like it's like, that's like your duty is to feel sad for them. Where like you almost and it feels like, kind of good. Do you ever have someone die and you're like relieved for like an old person die and you're just relieved mm-hmm. for them? And then there's like a moment mm-hmm. where you're like, "Ooh, I should be, I should be feeling sad." Yeah, maybe I'm you know fucked up. But uh, I, yeah. I that I, I'm guessing that applies to like you know actually reaching the point where you're not just like tied down by uh fucking sadness every day. Yeah. Damn. Sorry to bring you guys. Podcast. No way. Down. I love no, this. No, this dude. is perfect for this. The book is super fucking sad. It's a real weeper. Everybody everybody cries and cries when they read that book. Yeah, but I Oh man. Do you, I I remember one time we were having a conversation with a bunch of uh comics. I didn't know if you were being sarcastic at the time, but we were having a conversation and it was about how uh I think someone was talking about how like they were like leaning into how fucked up their childhood was mm-hmm. and how they thought that was what made them f- like, you gotta have, you gotta be fucked up as a kid to be a comedian, which, <laughs> you know, whatever. But that's not even a conversation I'm interested in having, but you were just like, my childhood was pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 My parents loved me. <laughs> I, I honestly thought my childhood was great. Like we had, yeah, my sister got sick <clears throat> twice and then passed away. And then my dad had a real bad stroke. Um, this doesn't sound like a great childhood, Doogie. Left him disabled. But neither of those things, and actually my mom got cancer too, but aside from that, and I got bullied a lot, but aside from that, everything else was good. And I feel like those sort of things are all like acts of God. You know, like somebody gets cancer, somebody gets sick, even like getting picked on. It's like, yeah, I was a weird kid. No wonder I got picked on. I don't think... All those things were fine. I think what would be way worse is if like my dad never once told me like, you're stupid. My mom was never like you little piece of shit or like, that's a dumb shirt or you're dumb or whatever. So that's why I think, yeah, I had a good childhood because yeah, you can't control, you know, who's going to get sick or get in a car accident or stuff like that. Sure. So yeah, I I think there's like a, in the the parameters of life, there's like a lot of, room for misfortune yeah you know yeah, I mean? stuff that just happens your house burns down you get hit by lightning but now, i think a lot of people kind of want to like carry that around and like let it define them and, and sort of like use it as uh i don't know like they want to laminate it and wear it around their neck everywhere they go yeah 
like everyone's got a different kind of PTSD. Um, and, uh, I don't know, man. It's actually, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm floating right now hearing you talk about like hearing you say like, I had a pretty good childhood and it's just like, you can list stuff that would trump things from a lot of other people's childhoods. And you're just like, it's, you know, none of that stuff is like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe what I'm feeling about it right now. I should have got high first. Isn't that always the way? <laughs> you get to the SATs, you're like, damn it, oh, if only I was high. No, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reflect on this for a long time. I think getting bullied actually helped me do stand up. I wouldn't have been able to do stand up if I hadn't been bullied a lot. Oh, absolutely. I think we need to, we need to maintain um, a certain like allowance for bullying. Yeah, it was definitely really. I mean, it wasn't. It's not nice to bully people or whatever but i think i benefited from it i learned that because i think the biggest thing that stops people from doing stand-up is you're like well what if people don't laugh at me or they think i'm stupid they don't want to be embarrassed but i had already been embarrassed so much and learned that kind of nothing happens like you get embarrassed you look like an idiot and then you keep living like nothing you know and so that was no longer fear for me because i had already experienced it so that's why i was able to do stand-up because i wasn't worried about the audience not liking me um it's just a room full of strangers you're never going to see again so who cares what they think you know yeah it's it's like like your immune system get like that kind of like uh well we had like very indirect and uh like amorphous bullying when i was a kid like i was a weird kid and i got picked on a lot but like everyone it was every man for himself like people were like lashing out, like spinning around with their hands out in the dark. That was the bullying we had when we were kids. <laughs> and uh, yeah, dude, it's like without that, you kind of like you're walking around like compromised. Mike, I didn't Mike, want to cut you, you off. I'm sorry. Mike, I'm sorry, were you a big bully? Uh, no, I was not. Um, well, to one kid I was, and I feel like a, I still feel like a fucking dick. And um, I don't know that. Actually, I, I did. I did. Fuck, I did reach out. I don't know what I said in, in the email. I think I was. It might have just been like a "Hey, how are you?" thing. But I don't know that I directly apologized for being such a cocksucker to this kid. Um, but he's somebody that I definitely owe an apology to. And as far as I can remember, it was just this one kid that I bullied. Um, but you know, thankfully, I, I didn't take to that as a personality. I, I never was. Well, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Doogie. I remember one of the meanest things I ever did to another kid. I was in elementary school and it was this kid. I really hated him. And he spent all day on the playground looking for a four leaf clover, like on his hands and knees, looking through the grass for a four leaf clover. And he found one. And I said, can I see that? And I took it and I just (laughs) dropped it. And he justifiably flipped out and the teacher came over and he told her what I did. And I was cracking up. I thought it was so funny. I was laughing and laughing. Classic. And, then, <laughs> and I, I must have looked like the meanest, biggest asshole. And the, I could see the teacher looked. At, I was really young. I think it was like maybe second, third grade, something like that. And she looked at me. And I could see the hate in her eyes. And she said, find him another one. And you got to stay out here until you find him another one. And so I had to get down on my hands and knees. I couldn't find the one I had dropped. And then recess was over. 
All the kids line up, go back inside. She says, you have to stay out here still. And she made me stay out there for a while and I couldn't, I couldn't find one. Um, oh, that rules. That's almost, that, that'd be in like a children's book. <laughs> it's just so embarrassed that I did that. I can't believe. When was the last time you thought about that? Uh, I mentioned it because it was recently, I told my son the story. We were talking about, it came up some, somehow like bullying or being mean and stuff. And I, I sort of told him, I was like, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people would be bullies if they could. I think everybody's got that in them, you know, and everybody's a little mean sometimes and you're in a position of power and it's hard not to bully people. And I told him, I said, this is the meanest thing I can remember doing. And I told him. That's pretty cool for a meanest thing you can remember doing though. There's actually a meaner thing, but I'm not going to mention it on the podcast. Uh, I murdered someone. I'm the murderer. Yeah. Shortly after I murdered my family. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, new meanest thing. But at the time, I was being truthful. (laughs) Dude, the dirt bikes are still coming through. I'm very sorry, guys. Jesus Christ. That's the last time. This is the last time. We're going to miss it. We're gonna miss it. Wait till wait till the crickets fucking drown us out when I'm in the new spot. I cannot fucking wait, dude. I'm gonna import Puerto Rican crickets to your house. No, <laughs> I'm shipped in. No, they they chirp all spicy. Chirp, cheep, cheep, chirp, cheep, 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 chirp, 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 chirp. Fuck that. I'll go on a killing spree. That's that's when I would lose my mind. If it like, imagine, you know how in like a horror movie when uh, they move out of the haunted house, but it's like the house wasn't haunted and it followed them, right? I'm it worried. The lamp. <laughs> it's gonna be the uh, fucking the Amityville fucking reggaeton. I can't. I. It's almost over, man. This is this is it. This is the final week. I feel like I've been talking about it for so long and I haven't been in like, I haven't been building up the move. I've just been like complaining and getting more and more direct about more and more direct about my complaints. <laughs> it sucks so bad. Um, but I, I don't want people to think I'm being a fucking downer or like a crybaby about it. I'm just so happy that uh, it, it's over. And um, I've been so focused on like making it happen that, uh, you know, I, I, it's hard not to just share every fucking thought that pops into my head. <laughs> do, you to, do you have your space picked out where you're gonna where you're gonna work from in your new house actually no my plan is to just move physically move everything into the house and then just let mary joe decide where everything goes and i'll I'll take whatever corner she assigns me and i'll I, I mean i've proven right now i can i can make my entire digital life happen in a what four by five square space anywhere in my house I'm getting faster internet i'm excited about that Oh, Since cool. we do nice. all this shit streaming, but um, you know what? This is a perfect opportunity to slide over to the Patreon. Dookie, do you have uh, do you have time to slide over to the Patreon with us? Yeah, I have sl- time to slide over the Patreon. Do you have time to slide over with us? Uh, I can slide over. Hell yeah! All right, well, gang in the YouTube chat, thanks for joining us. Uh, when I was trying to okay. Chef McNulty said, "Yo, Tim, you're allowed to be yourself without being high all the time." In regards to me wishing I was high. Uh, to process the the uh, emotion that Doogie sparked, it was only because here's real quick. I don't feel like I need to be high to be myself, but I I wanted I wanted a faster connection to uh, like the feeling I was processing, and I just wanted to do it without having to worry. Like 
in any in any given conversation in any given like even when we're podcasting i'm thinking about like what i have to do at first thing at work tomorrow like i just wanted a, a direct neural path to sort that shit out there that's all sorry i just wanted to, i just wanted to sort that doogie where um what where should people find you on the internet you go to doogiehorner.com that's my website you can see my different books and my album and stuff like that um you can also follow me on instagram or twitter i'm on instagram more than twitter these days just because twitter's so unhealthy yeah there's just more negativity and bullshit and yeah i'm also doing more drawing than like i used to write jokes and put them on twitter and it just doesn't seem like that kind of space anymore Uh, you know what i would say you are you know all of your accolades and your accomplishments and all the ways we were trying to describe you i think the way i would one one of the one of the primary uh ways i would describe you is a charming illustrator maybe one of the most charming illustrators working today Hmm. all right thank you um and yeah they could check out my album a delicate man you can check it out on spotify or iTunes or wherever. <laughs> Gang, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, follow my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Tim Butterly. And uh, I mean, every Sunday morning around 9 or 10 a.m., we, we kick off the Sunday morning coffee stream. And, and today was a fucking banner day. Um, and it was, you know, uh, just bigger than last week. And it's it's such a fun way for me to start my week. And uh, I hope everybody else enjoys it. Um, Mike, do you want to tell everybody about anything? man let's uh slaughter the patreon all right keep keep the party going all right bubs see you over there all right love you guys